Welcome to Funny Book Forensics with Dan and Greg, episode two forty seven. We'll just jump into uh, comics with the fight of the fight of the century. So, all right, fight of the month, man. That's fight uh, of the month. It's the it was fight of the month. That's yeah, what it well, ended up being. I believe it century. Uh, oh, did, did it fight of the century year. Fight of the week, month. Yeah. Month, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, like, uh, I guess that's getting into our comic segment here. Uh, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about it, and, you know, Dan and I have been, yeah, I mean, we've been friends for, for quite some time, and a lot of it was bonding over the comics. And like I said, uh, Greg makes money on comics, and I have a lot of them. So, but, I mean, all joking aside, yeah, I, I think I wanted to take, uh, actually, no joking aside uh, in this week's uh, comic review. I, uh, <laughs> no I took, Greg, I, I took all the jokes. Uh, I took Greg back to the uh, uh, the classic uh, Justice League slash Justice League of America, uh, uh, written by uh, Keith Giffen and uh, J.M. DiMatteis. and. Yes. Uh, they were a great pair. Uh, Giffen would plot and uh, Demetrius would write. And if you, if you aren't aware of these two, uh, we can give you a tiny bit of backstory on both. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'll bore Greg to death right now, but I loved Keith Giffen. Uh, Keith Giffen uh, drew my favorite comic still uh, growing up a classic Legion of superheroes comics from the eighties. He also co-created Lobo and drew and helped plot the Omega Men back in the 80s. And, and that's where he really got his start. But he's really done a, a little bit of everything here and there uh, for both companies, including a little Marvel Cosmic, uh, including mm-hmm. some stuff for Image early on, yeah. and, and a lot of stuff for, for DC. Um, yes. his, art, his art style went from uh, very traditional superhero art to very... Uh, it, think of of Dave Gibbons and Watchmen on steroids. Uh, a lot of dark lines and and bright colors uh, for the colorists that would 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 work over him. Uh, but his approach to storytelling has always been unique uh, because he is an artist. Uh, he will plot, and when he plots, he he literally does uh, thumbnail art for the entire story uh, to give the artist exactly what his vision is and. Uh, allows them to work off that vision, but also then he works well with, uh, works well with scripters and, uh, JM David Teus, uh, famous for scripting a lot of comics, uh, mm-hmm. and, and television as well. Uh, uh, I believe episodes of lost, we may have to I, cut that part out, but I think episodes of lost, I know justice league, uh, the justice league television show that he mm-hmm. did some justice league unlimited episodes, uh, as well as a lot of, of different comics and uh, classic. And, and if you if you want some recent work from the two of them, uh, the Scooby-Doo Apocalypse series was absolutely phenomenal. It was so good. Oh, my gosh. I I was blown away every issue. I'm actually surprised that you read them. I don't think we talked about that. I, I loved them. I love the Scooby-Doo Apocalypse series. Uh, and, you know, because it's two, two of my favorite writers, like, working together again. But, yeah, it was... It was uh, I I never thought I'd be reading a Scooby-Doo comic, right? Uh, <laughs> it was so good. It was good. Uh, so we're taking you back. And uh, at that point, we'd, we'd moved away. Uh, uh, Trevor Von Eden was doing pencils on this book. 
and they're really great. Uh, I like how he draws the characters and he really distinguishes them from each other. Each character in his art style is really distinguished and you can always tell who's who. And that's one of the things I like about his art uh, throughout this book. And so, you know, kind of looking at our plot background, I don't know if I picked the best book. I remembered this as a, uh, when I was younger, as being enamored with this single episode or issue of a comic book. And uh, the cover is a classic. We'll post the cover up for you, but it's, yeah. uh, and I'll, I'll, we'll give you a link to uh, DC Universe. And you can also obviously get it on Comixology and, and a number of other places. But the uh, it's got a it's got a classic like fight look on the cover, right? They yeah, it's like it's like, like a fight a poster. Fight yeah, it, it looks so good. And, and it's pretty absurd because it's it's Guy Gardner. Uh, if you're not aware, uh, Guy Gardner, uh, one of the Green Lanterns, and, yes. and, and uh, he he he's a classic. Uh, so Guy Gardner was supposed to be the Green Lantern of Earth. Yeah, and uh, Hal Jordan ended up becoming the Green Lantern of Earth, and Guy Gardner sort of of uh, gets bounced in in a little one off story. In the 70s, in the hard traveling heroes era of, of Green Lantern and Green Arrow. And mm-hmm. uh, Guy Gardner was a, a school gym teacher and he basically gets hit by a bus and he doesn't become the Green Lantern. And it ends up going to Hal Jordan. And Hal Jordan, uh, Guy Gardner was jealous of Hal Jordan after that. So eventually he, he gets to become the Green Lantern. Uh, but, uh, as you learn over time, something happened to his brain, uh, when he got hit by a bus. And so he's not the most <laughs> stable character, uh, in DC comics. No, not so much. He's a, he's a, he makes him interesting. And, and, him and our other, yeah, our other guy on the cover is the blue beetle. Um, so what's your, what's your relationship with the blue beetle as a character? Uh, my relationship with the blue beetle. Yeah. Uh, Blue Beetle is like besties with Booster Gold. That is true. Uh, the Blue and Gold team up. And uh, even through uh, a lot of iterations uh, recently, if you were reading the uh, uh, it, it recently in DC Comics, uh, Booster Gold was uh, even talking to a dead Blue Beetle. <laughs> it's yeah. interesting. Uh, you know, that's how close they were friends were. And Blue Beetle is an interesting character. Uh, Blue Beetle, uh, the original uh, Dan Garrett, Blue Beetle was a Golden Age character in Fox Synd- Syndicate comics, and Blue, Blue Beetle was part of the Charlton uh, relaunch in the '60s. Uh, Charlton was known for its characters and had Steve Ditko, uh, the original Spider-Man artist. The Charlton got Ditko to come over and draw a bunch of mm. books. Uh, among a lot of other uh, great artists. And Blue Beetle was out of this Charlton Hero group. And the Charlton Hero group, of course, is known for Watchmen. Uh, the Watchmen characters were analogs of the Charlton characters. Uh, uh, so if you want to dig a little bit of research. Uh, but Blue Beetle, um, let me let me tell you if this guy sounds like a cross between two superheroes. So he dresses up in a costume like a bug. Uh-huh. But he has a bunch of gadgets, and he's super rich, and he owns an invented uh, a company that invents a bunch of things. What did, did, does he sound like? Any combination of heroes that maybe Steve Ditko drew one of? Maybe like a uh, he's a bug, 
But he's, he's also but he's also a gadget guy who's right. really rich. And he has like a, a beetle bug craft that he flies around. Um, uh, interesting. I mean, could be almost anyone. He could be almost anyone. It could be. And it's interestingly just, enough, one of those guys shows up in this book. So this, uh, is, we, this is driving me batty. Driving you. <laughs> so and, and, and I probably, will have to think about it. And this comic, we're just going to warn you, we won't go page by page, but uh, <laughs> let, let's just say maybe this book doesn't hold up to the social norms of 2020 as much as it held up to the social norms of, of 1991. So if, if you go back and read it, please read it in the 1991 lens, please. And 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 don't hold me accountable for everything that uh, Giffen and DeMatteis write in this book. It uh, it definitely I, I had I had some chortles of like what a what the the young me would have found humorous, but the the now more um, I'd say rounded me would be like, oh whoa, you can't you can't make fun of that, you can't do that, you shouldn't say that. You say rounded. <laughs> I did like with like thought. The first few pages of the comic book. Oh, it's not, that was not, I was trying not to be punny about that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because the book sort of starts out and, uh, over time, uh, Blue Beetle's in the book and, you know, he's an industrialist and he's sort of playing superhero and, and a lot of time in the book, he's sort of, uh, they sort of push him to the side, so to speak, like he's a joke. Yeah. Uh, cause he's like the, and if you, you go back, you had, a. Maxwell Lord, who uh, basically owned the Justice League, he funded them. And you had Blue Beetle, this rich industrialist that just wanted to play superhero. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, we could we see this currently. I mean, no, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Like a rich industrialist <laughs> that wants to play like something in society. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, and it's funny because uh, the rich industrialist with orange hair that plays in society tells us that he's in perfect health. And back to the blue beetle, <laughs> and the beetle who also has red hair. Uh, you open the first page and he, all of a sudden after months of squeezing into his super suit, uh, his belly is now sticking out of his super suit. Yes. And he, for the first time ever, uh, he literally can't fit into a suit anymore to play superhero. No. And this is He's really a, distressing. It, for both him and the suit. Right. It's, it's, it's a lot of stretchy suit. And he sort of goes into a midlife crisis uh, mode immediately. Yeah. And some really interesting things about this book. So they wrote it as if the, the team was, was super dysfunctional. So we can set up some characters for you really quickly. You had uh, the Martian Manhunter, who many yep. of you have heard, and he's sort of the straight man for the team. Uh, he's their leader, and, and he's the one that's just walking around, pointing out to the reader constantly that that this team is 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 a joke. It's got problems, like like any family, right? And, and they and and the funny thing is, there are no supervillains in this entire issue. Uh, the villain it is, is themselves. The villain is themselves, <laughs> their their dysfunction, and the some of the other characters that that show up in this book, 
Uh, of course, I mentioned Guy Gardner. Now you have Guy Gardner's idol, whose name is General Glory. Uh, General Glory was a made-up character just for this book. And you find out General Glory later on is this super old man uh, who can say a word and he becomes General Glory. Sounds He's kind of like a cross between uh, Shazam and Captain America. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Guy Gardner cuts his hair uh, to look like, if you remember <laughs> from Captain America, Guy Gardner cuts yeah. his hair to look like General Glory's sidekick, Ernie, uh, who he used to pal around with. And so he just idolizes General Glory. And he, he General Glory is like the only person that can keep Guy Gardner in line. Uh, pretty much. He just idolizes him. Uh, you have Fire and Ice, uh, who used to be part of the Super Friends Global Guardians uh, back in the 70s. They redid them, and Fire is pretty much, uh, well, she comes back in after drinking all night. And uh, and uh, you've got Ice, who went out with her and is struggling to hang on to that lifestyle, but they're best friends. And it's just what best friends do. <laughs> it's just what best friends do. And then yeah. uh, you have Kilowog, who was a former Green Lantern, who is an alien. And uh, during the whole book, uh, he's dealing with an alien sedition act sort of where he's being asked to leave and go back home, uh, by the federal government. Oh man. And yeah, it's, I mean, they do it in a funny way, but it's really dark, you know? And, and again, you know, looking at how this fits now, it's, was funny then because it was something of the past then. So you're reading it and you're like, Oh, this is what governments used to do. Yeah. It's what they used to do. And now it's not as funny. No, it's mm, <laughs> right. It's yeah. It's too and, real. Uh, well, as our as our story plays out here, um, they uh, Blue Beetle decides he wants to get in shape. He goes to train with uh, General Glory, and of course, Guy Gardner's there. Guy Gardner calls him a fatty, and he, it's traumatizing no, he, Blue Beetle because. He, uh, he calls him the lard. Yeah. He, you know, he says, he, he, oh man, what's the best? He, he calls him something really good. I got to get it. You're physically lard fat. Belly, he says. You're physically, physically fat. He, and uh, yeah. was called that when he was a kid. And he, he discloses that he didn't start training until he became a rich industrialist in his 20s. So he, when he wanted to be a superhero, right? So he, yeah, yeah. he's very traumatized by this. There's a lot of, of tra- childhood trauma going off. Uh, so they decide to have a boxing match, of course. Because and, that's uh, what, that's what, what two, two adult men do when they want to settle right. their, their differences. Corey from, uh, from the 40s tells them to have a yeah. boxing match, right? He's like, yeah. What do you do? Yeah. Uh, and, and so, of course, who shows up right as they're about to have their boxing match to show up and, and, and check in on the Justice League? Could it be uh, a man dressed as a bat? Yeah. <laughs> And so now you have a Batman just showing up and he's just like, what is going on? Uh, everything is crazy. Why are you guys fighting? <laughs> and and as it goes, uh, everybody's cheering for Blue Beetle in the boxing match. And he uh, knocks down Guy Gardner. He bloodies him up and he turns to the corner and, and Guy Gardner jumps in from behind because he's <clears throat> a pretty terrible guy. And, and this is where the, and this is where the comic starts to get dark. And, and this is one of the interesting things about this era. 
Yeah, it it goes it goes from like kind of like uh, lighthearted kind of poking fun. Like they're going to have a boxing match. You're going to like rough it. They're going to mix it up a bit and everything like that. They're going to walk away as good buddies and stuff. It's a little it's going to have that kind of feel to. Oh. It just got yeah, real. <laughs> it gets real dark. And it's interesting there. These are marked as uh, 12 years old plus on the, the DT app and, and maybe even should be a little bit older. But it makes yeah. sense for 18 plus. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Guy Gardner jumps Blue Beetle from behind, uh, beats him up. His on again, off again uh, girlfriend Ice goes to try to comfort him. He screams at her and is abusive. He gets told off by her best friend. He doesn't hit her or anything, but he's he's screaming at her. The Ice comes or Fire comes and tells him to, you know, never speak to them again. He's told to leave. Uh, the Justice League, and, and and you think that's the end of the story. Uh, he's sitting in a room by himself, and he just says, damn, like he ruined his life, because he did. Um, so at least there are consequences the- feasibly, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's told, like, once everything kind of, like, uh, like they'll they'll get it sorted out when Max gets there, and, and, and you know, things are going to, things are going to change. You know, he's got, he's got, obviously now, he's, he's made his bed, he's got a lie in it, right? Right. And, and and, and the good news, at least if you're reading this from a past perspective, um, if even if some of the things in the book are offensive now, I think at least there are consequences for the character action, right? Um, right. They, it's and that that was one thing that was pretty consistent throughout this era of even it's called the blah ha Justice League because Blue Beetle and Booster Gold are always blah ha and laughing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, this and they're about to get serious and there's about to be a really dark turn in the book. Uh, we're about to get the, to the last few issues of the Giffen and DeMatteis run mm-hmm. uh, right after this story. And you flip the page and you see there's two more pages. You see Maxwell Lord. Uh, he's about to introduce his his fiance to the team uh, for the first time. And he gets shot. <laughs> and that's how you get the <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, it's that, that's the end. I forgot. And yeah. And I, I, it surprises me too. And then that's where it set out. And, you know, it was one of the real strengths of these comics is uh, Giffen and DeMatteis took these characters that were sort of throwaways uh, by everybody else. Everybody had thrown them away. So Blue Beetle had been a thrown away Charlton character and then uh, had a failed series in the, in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And ends up in this book, uh, Booster Gold, same, uh, yeah. was produced by Dan Jurgens in the 80s, was thrown away. Uh, Guy Gardner had been sort of the substitute Green Lantern, but uh, they brought Hal Jordan, or they're bringing Hal Jordan back. And so they didn't really need his character. Fire and Ice were from the Super Friends, for crying out loud, from the Global Guardians. Uh, and, and then the Martian Manhunter, who is which was at least until what about five years ago, one of the most consistent members of the justice league, like yeah. he's the one consistent character. And then this made up general glory character, which, which was a lot of fun. Um, he's very controversial. A lot of people don't like him, uh, but I always found him to be sort of entertaining, especially when you find out his origin. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting how, uh, from a scripting standpoint, they can really take all of these characters that nobody cared about. And for a while, this was one of their best selling books. I like the way that they, they brought all the, all, I would say the, the, the random characters and, and give them, uh, some sort of actual, uh, 
meat to their to their story, you know, and gave them something that people could they could thoroughly enjoy reading and give uh, like depth to their characters and, and, and built up this whole entire uh, storyline through this arc that these, these books are. It's, you know, it was really, yeah. And it was really interesting. I remember when, when they ended their run and, and I think Dan Jurgens took over the book and I, I was really uh, frustrated as a reader. I think I, I stopped buying the book because it went from being this, uh, interplay of characters to this just generic superhero book yeah and like i just when you when you read through these things and you see these like these characters like are, are built up in this in this manner and you're like oh wow you know they're just they're you you never got their stories before but you saw them in in as like these like you know background characters and stuff i, I always find that sometimes when you get that that background character that gets to gets to get that limelight get that moment and uh, you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. Because I don't know about you. I'm pretty sure you still have. I, I know I know for a fact you probably do. You still have you still have your your annuals and stuff like that from back in the day that you picked up off the old yep. spinner racks and stuff. And and you'd read through them and, and you would like study them. And you're like, oh, when, when is that character going to come back into a book? You know, yeah. and you always look through and you like wonder when, when is this person going to make an appearance again? And then this is one of those, this is one of those story arcs where you get that type of thing and you finally get everyone that you've, you've been waiting for, if you will. And, you know, it's kind of cool. One, it was, uh, it was interesting. I don't want to get too far into the history of DC at the time, uh, for just for the time of this podcast, but yeah. The uh, Keith Giffen had been writing uh, Legion of Superheroes book at the time and had been really hamstrung by the history of the Legion and the Superman editorial office uh, limiting what they could do Mm -hmm. uh, with the book. And I think one of the reasons, too, from a writer's perspective that they had so much fun with these characters is because they were uh, characters that didn't have this huge backstory. And they could create their universe, right, and create their personality. Mm -hmm. And and take little snippets from the past and really play with it. So it it gave them a lot of freedom um, as writers to build up these characters and make them interesting uh, to the reader. Uh, So, I mean, maybe not this issue, if you're going to pull it out as a single issue uh, to read it. But I, I mean, I, I do recommend going back and taking a look at some of these books, especially if you're interested in scripting. Yeah. Uh, characters and 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 building stories where you're building in internal tension and conflict definitely one of the things that i can tell you from my read through on this and what i forgot so much uh, about what i loved about these stories and why i think um i do what i do uh but what these gave the foundation of is is telling and and and, it, and i talk a lot about this in uh in in narrative gunslingers but is that like this this type of story arc in this type of book uh you can see it in this book it's a it's 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 definitely character driven story um because of the the richness of the characters although it's kind of goofy in a sense but you you get to you get to see that depth but then there's also the the definite um pull through of everything and if you're reading from beginning to end of this whole entire story arc you get the whole narrative of everything so um it's the, the story is completely there and it, it is a great a great way to show that uh the way that 
that characters interact um, either sometimes in a positive manner when there's the, the, the people on the sidelines during the fight um, providing support or, or just in the, the animosity that, that you see uh, and how they're dealing with it uh, between Gardner and, and Blue Beetle and, you know, how they're, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's, 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 it's very interesting to see uh, how, how people that should be working together sometimes can, can also be not the best people <laughs> to each other. And we see that in our daily lives. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think too, like uh, credit to obviously the writing, like this, the Demetrius scripting is, is phenomenal in the book. Uh, but also I got to give a lot of credit to uh, Giffen's plotting and Trevor Von Eden's art. I know I mentioned at the beginning, yeah. but Giffen's layout of the panels yeah, uh, and then the way Von Eden delivers the art through those panels tells the story and adds to that narrative that that Greg is talking about because the panels really move the story and you don't always get that in a comic. There aren't a lot of splash pages in these books. No, uh, and when there is a splash page, it has a lot of meaning. Um, it, the one the big se- splash, splash page is Guy Gardner walking away from the entire team as he's exiled. And he's shaded and everybody else is colored and bright and he's mm-hmm. just a shadow. And it really illustrates him being excised from the group, right? And as it's, I don't have page numbers in mind. I don't know if you have a page number pulled up I'm um, on that right now, but it's uh, uh, 17 is the page you're talking about. And it is, it's, it's lush with just, you look at it and there's a story within this story being told by the way that it's, it's drawn uh, with the texture that's there um, based on that, that shading uh, with the light that's being used to draw the rest of the characters in on that. Um, and even in the inset panels in which you've got uh, you've got the the other characters having their their conversation, uh, you know, you've you've got uh, them discussing, you know, like, don't go after him. And, you know, Ice is like, guy, wait. And it's, you, you can see the pain in her face because she, you know, it's that's she just she just watched this 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 terrible thing happen. And, you know. That's her friend. And she sees the end, right? Like yeah. good, bad, or indifferent. She can see the end. Yeah. And you you could look at this page and it could have no text on the page. Oh yeah. You could you could tell the story. And, and that's yeah. how well uh Giffen's layouts and, and Von Eden's art uh delivered uh the story. So yeah, um interesting again, uh classic read from the long box. And the fun thing about these issues is is even though uh, the early issues were expensive back in the day. Uh, they haven't held up from a price point because uh, they were 90s comics. So uh, you can pick these up out of a dollar bin sometimes. So Totally. Uh, I, great I was story. just going to say, my, I, I really like that the page, the, the um, uh, was it page 21, in which you got Guy Gardner looking at the door, the shadowing of him yep. and the door, and then the way that those panels are cut at an angle it's it, it's such a painful panel um, that for, I, I guess for me and my OCD, uh, the way that yep. it's cut, it it causes distress in my brain to look at it 
Right. But it's so beautiful. I can't not look at it. And I want to yell at it because I want to yell at him for what he's done, but he knows what he's done. Right. And they've, they've executed it so well. And I'm like, ah, this is, this is what I love. This is what I loved as a kid to read. And as an adult, I can go back and still enjoy it. (laughs) Well, and you know, you, you, I think the angles too, it's like the angles are cutting him out of the story. Right. Definitely. It's, it's, it's the way it's almost like you're taking a pair of scissors and cutting out the page, uh, the way they have it drawn. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's good storytelling. And I, I think too, um, it's one of those scenarios where, uh, you can almost feel bad for him, mm-hmm. even though you don't, and you're taught not to feel bad for him, but you saw him almost getting better, right? He had his friend, he, he tried to be better and he just failed at it. And, yeah. uh, but he's also an abusive ass. And so he's, he's cut out right uh, uh, of the story at least for this story here and yeah. uh and it, and it really builds into i think the next scene isn't as shocking if you don't have that because it's like they tell you we're going to take care of this when max comes back and then max is looking pretty dead on the ground yeah i mean not to spoil anything for for everybody on a on a on a 20 plus year old comic uh, <laughs> but he got better. <laughs> um, the, uh, I would, I would say the other thing too, is like the use of sound effects. Oh my gosh, dude. I love how they just like some of the sound effects, the, 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 the words that they use to describe the sounds in this book are just, Oh, good. Crunk. Yeah. <laughs> just Bonk, crunk. Yeah. Slam. <laughs> yeah. And, just... and they're describing it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a fun book um, it, 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 in parts. And then it's a, it's a really disturbing book in others, but yeah. um, it, there was some criticism here too. I know when uh, uh, historically uh, some of the criticism out of this book is this is a book that they used uh, that DC and uh, external forces at the time in the nineties. Uh, you may have heard of like the PTC um, who were parodied on wrestling and, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, a few other groups uh they use they criticize this book and 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 one of the criticisms too way back before you had cbr uh criticizing everything uh was that you know now the justice league isn't about superheroes anymore it's about a guy who got fat and couldn't fit into his suit yeah. and, and that's one of the reasons i picked this book out too because it, it, it did i remembered it i remember the first time i read that criticism i was like what are they talking about that was one of my favorite comics yeah uh, and and they uh, were criticizing it. And it was almost one of those scenarios where it was clear that that person had never read the story. They didn't they, understand the context of how someone could get or why, why they, yeah, why they're using this as a moment. Right. Or why that was important, right? Like yeah. why a simple thing like that could, could drive the story, right? Yeah. And how they summarized... Um, I love how they can summarize that story literally on the first page, first mm-hmm. and second page, where uh, today that story would have built up over like a hundred issues, right? Like, <laughs> Rubita would have been slowly gaining weight over a hundred issues and, 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 and suddenly, uh, you know, and, and they do, uh, they do have some reference to it in the comics, but it, it they don't need uh, to explain it. And there's so much depth of text here. 
if you do go back and read some of these books, you actually do have to sit down and read it. Uh, you can't thumb through it in five minutes and just look at the art. Oh yeah, no, you have to, it's, it, it is dense with language and it is a, a, a nice little piece of literature. So give yourself uh, a good, a good 30 minutes to enjoy the words and the, and the pictures and, uh, and have a, have a fun time reading it. You got time right now. Do it. Yeah. And, you know, what we're going to be picking, we, we do this every week with comics, but yeah, uh, if you have something you want us to pull from the long box and, and take a look at, uh, make a suggestion uh, on our website, uh, last-podcast.com. Uh, tell the admin, or you can, like I said, we said, hit us up on Facebook and, uh, and Twitter and Twitter, and make a suggestion there at last-podcast on Facebook or at last-podcast2 on Last-podcast. So, yeah, uh, with that, uh, well, Greg, uh, with that, uh, with that, I, I think it's wild card time. Wild yeah. card. Well, it, and I think it's a good transition. We're talking about oh. some great art and yeah. uh, what's going on over at, at Diamond Comics right now. Uh, you know, this week has been a very weird week uh, in the world um, in uh, in a lot of different stuff uh, with 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 comic shops. Uh, it, we'll, we'll just say we'll, we'll back it up a minute um, because uh, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, uh, this was to be uh, the month of the convention kickoff, if you will. Emerald City Comic Con uh, was going to was going to happen earlier this month, um, and uh, for for many of us in the Pacific Northwest, this was to begin to be the beginning uh, of our of our Comic Con season. Uh, here and uh, with the the COVID nineteen uh, virus outbreak uh, and social distancing, which we talked about earlier in the show, uh, it it definitely was a, a socially responsible decision uh, by by Reed Pop and by the the state to uh, say, hey, let's not do that. But it also changed the landscape, if you will, for uh, comics uh, creators, publishers, artists. Uh, anyone involved in the convention circuit and stuff like that by, 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 by putting that on hold and changing the date to later in the year, uh, causing kind of a domino effect or ripple effect uh, throughout the comics industry uh, by having multiple conventions and other things changing how they were going to do things throughout the rest of the season. Uh, with that, we saw a lot of comic creators and artists and, and people that do things at conventions going to an online type situation and other things and not being able to go out to their local stores. And with that, we also saw another ripple in which a major distributor diamond uh, distribution that delivers comics from publishers to comic book stores and other bookstores, uh, saying that they would no longer take stock from publishers and right. bring them uh, to stores. Not, not just a major distributor, right? The, the only, the, dis, the only, uh, currently, uh, the only distributor, uh, for major comic releases from every major publisher. Right. I mean, uh, when I fill out my order each month, it's based off the diamond catalog, right? It is. Yes. My local comic shop, right? Like that's it. I mean, that's where he tells me to go. Yes. Um, it's it, not like you got other options here. No, and it's true. It's true. I mean, unless you're 
if you want to get anything from your local comic shop, you are going, you're basically pulling off of whatever diamond pole list is. And, and it's, and, and right now this week, we're at a point where diamond is no longer in operation. They've ceased uh, to, to push product uh, from their warehouse floor or from, from, from creator or from, <laughs> from publishers to, yeah. To comic shops, and it and it's definitely caused a ripple effect um, back through to publishers, creators, artists, and and the likes, and comic shops because there's a lot of comic shops that are still operating on a either pick up or or send out uh, with whatever yep. they have in store uh, if they can get product from creators and artists. And mine are getting sent out uh, today. I mean, the last mm-hmm. now I can't order anymore, uh, yeah. but. The uh, I know I'm I'm actually filling out an order tonight for stuff that can't get ordered because uh, my store shop owner asked uh, me to go ahead and do my pull list anyway. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, uh, I know he's sending out my books uh, today, actually. And yeah. he's, uh, but you know, the, these shop owners are just like anybody else, right? Like he's yeah. in his store and he can't open, but he can uh, help us out and, and help us get our books. And yeah, it's it's. Uh, you know, it's like everything else. It's, it's awful. And I guess too, I mean, from an art perspective, right. I mean, we we're hearing all about the concerts being canceled and the theater being canceled and, and the parks being closed and, and things like that. And, and movies being sports, rescheduled for uh, sports, movies, sports, yeah. but you're not hearing about the impact this is having on, on other forms of art, like uh, these mm-hmm. very visual forms of art. And, and why and do you think we're not hearing as much about that? Uh, you know, I think that uh, some of it is just because I, I think a lot of times we we hear about what what I'm going to say mainstream media might be um, putting out there for us to to digest, but also too I, I think a lot of times uh, a lot of the public, the general public, uh, might not be as aware of this type of thing uh, because it uh, pop culture as this is uh, either with comic books or with the, the artists that create said comic books uh, either uh, from the writing perspective or the, the art perspective, uh, they might not be in the public eye in that sense, right? You, you know what the product is, you know that the, the comic book is the, the genesis that brings forth the movie or the TV show that you enjoy, but you don't know sometimes who, who writes it or who, who draws it. Uh, right. You might not have the depth of knowledge of that. Uh, but right now we're seeing a lot of these, these creators, um, and creators in a tough spot. Uh, a lot, a lot of people currently right now are in a work from home situation and maybe some of these creators are, are in a work from home situation, but you also see a lot of these creators that are banking on the fact that they would be going to these conventions or, or having their books, uh, being published and pushed out to stores and retailers. And if that's not happening, uh, they're not getting anything in for their uh, for their expenses that are coming down the the, <laughs> down right, the pipe right. later. So it's oh. definitely it's it's definitely a, a, a weird a weird time we're in in a very strange uh, uh, cycle uh, that we that you wouldn't expect to be on, if you will, uh, because we don't know we don't we don't know when. <laughs> well, and, and it's. Uh, it really is reflexive of the gig economy right now, too, yeah. right? I mean, people keep talking about the gig economy, the gig economy, the gig economy. But before we had the term gig economy, I mean, obviously, comic artists and writers and letterers back in the day, which, God, I loved comic lettering, but I don't even want to get into that. But the <laughs> uh, 
you know, you could work for a company, but a lot of folks were freelancers and, and oh, for yeah. a long time and, and still are. And uh, the, you know, the gig economy has been around in the arts forever before there was a term called gig economy. I mean, where exactly. did you think they got it from? It was from people <laughs> doing a gig, right? A gig. Yeah, um, you're picking up a gig and you're doing it here and you're doing it there and you're doing it everywhere. <laughs> so, you know, that notion of uh, we're thinking about folks in this this quote unquote gig economy. And, you know, I think there are some ways to help help these folks out. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we're, we're, people are talking, hey, order takeout so you can save your favorite restaurant. Well, I mean, food's great and all, and I'm not saying don't do that, but, you know, what a great time to uh, to hit Kickstarter and look for things your favorite artist or writer are doing on their own mm-hmm. and supporting their project so they can publish it and send it straight to you. Or or even, you know, going to, I actually was interacting, um, uh, one of uh, the artists that's that also loves Legion and uh, named Greg Fox, he's done online books for a long time. Um, when he couldn't necessarily get work with the, with the big two or big mm-hmm. three. And, yeah. uh, uh, he writes and draws his own book and he draws all sorts of Legion characters all the time. And I, I just asked him, I said, this is a good time to, to ask about uh, having you commission one. Uh, cause he drawn something I liked and, and I was like, Oh, this is cool. Are you selling that? And he's like, not selling that one, but you know, I can work on some other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, what a great time to reach out or, or even better. I know you're working on, uh, I don't want to just hit all your projects today. No. You're, you're using this time, uh, you're working from home, but you're using this time to collaborate with others on a, a lot of different projects. Yeah. And, and that's, that, I mean, just to peel back the veil a little bit, I mean, why, I, why, why is Greg, why is Greg so invested in, in what's going on in Diamond Comics and, and other things and, and everything? Well, I, part of, part of what I do, uh, when I'm not working, uh, on other, on other things, I, I do work in comics. I, I write, um, I work on, uh, various different projects, but, uh, I, I did feel the pinch when, uh, I got back from C2E2 in Chicago. I was super excited about Emerald city happening and, and the kickoff for everything and, 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 and being able to, uh, promote a Kickstarter that, uh, uh, Brett Waldelli and Travis Webb and I were going to do uh, that was coming out this month, happening to be the worst time to drop a Kickstarter into this hot hellfire that we're in. Uh, but but we did it anyways because we had no choice. We'd already hit the button for submit and he'd already given us a date. So we had no, there's no way to back out of something like that, right? It's just what you do. Your, your foot's already on the gas pedal. You're going over the cliff if you want to or not. So, I mean, we Thelma and Louise did and we're going full forward. Um, but point being is this isn't really as much as like what Travis and I are, are hoping to get anything out of, but for, for an artist like Brett, this is, this is his gig. This is, this is what he is doing to be able to make the rent. This is what he is doing to be able to put the food in his fridge. And that's the same for every other creator out there that, that, that lives for this type of thing. Right. So uh, if, if Starlight gets funded, uh, at, at the end of the month, uh, Brett gets to pay his rent. Brett gets to eat. Brett gets to live life like everyone else. Uh, if not, then, you know, it's going to be a, a very different landscape for him. Uh, same with other creators and artists that were banking on Emerald City Comic Con and other things like that. Uh, talking to different creators out there that have uh, Patreons and other stuff. Uh, they were banking on the event so that they could pay for all the prints that they had already purchased or the ink that they were buying so that they could do commissions and other stuff like that. So when when 
the COVID-19 outbreak happened and we are stuck in our homes, sheltering in place all across the nation. You have a lot of artists that are open for commission and they're doing it very low prices right now in some, in some situations because well, they want to try to get you art and they want to try to get as much art out as possible. And they know that one, you're probably concerned about buying toilet paper or, um, or hand sanitizer. If you can find it jokes aside, you need to, you're also concerned about buying all the other things that you need, but also they know that you want to be able to support them as much as they want. Yeah. And, and, for- <laughs> and as I say, and reach out, you know, don't be, this isn't the time to be shy and, and be starstruck. You know, I think one of my, I, because I actually have a, a few comics um, and just a few. Uh, just a few, a couple. One of my my favorite. It's really stink. They've rescheduled Emerald City to August, and they've taken away Thursday. Uh, it's just going to be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday show. And my favorite day of of the con is Thursday. Uh, it's less crowded, and I go to the artist floor, and I, I literally just talk with writers and artists, uh, you know, for half a day. Uh, mm-hmm. And and it's enjoyable and fun. And and you remember these folks are humans. Uh, they yeah. they enjoy talking to you. Um, yeah, I've gone up starstruck to a couple of, of famous artists before and, and, and fell all over myself. Like, and I keep they, telling you, Jose Dan, Luis you know Garcia me. Lopez. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, um, you know, I've talked to, to people from the seventies, eighties, like Mike Grell and just had nice conversations with them. Uh, and all the way, just folks now, you know, just, just hang out the show and, and they're happy to do that. And, and so they're feeling as isolated as you are, you know, reach out, uh, ask them if they're interested in doing a commission. I mean, the worst they can say is no. And at, at the mid range, you get a nice conversation and at the best you uh, take home a a really neat piece of art and and find out a little bit more about the person. So yeah, make sure, you know, you, you're working with these folks and, and, and helping them out. Yeah. One of the things that's really great too, is we live in a digital age and uh, a lot of us that are doing Kickstarters or even in commissions and stuff like that. I mean, being able to send stuff right now is, is kind of, kind of up in the air as, uh, as, as it is, uh, but we can send you digital things. And that's one of the things that I'm seeing a lot of, uh, fellow Kickstarter, uh, folks doing out there right now is we're, we're trying to push that digital package and making sure that our digital packages are very, uh, robust if you will you're getting good stuff for what your what what your what your backing uh amount is you're getting good stuff out of that and we're seeing that with people that are doing commissions and stuff if you're if you're if you're getting uh, a commission and it's going to be a digital commission uh you know they're giving you like like it's not just a, a quick a, a quick show sketch that they're you know they only have a limited amount of time they're taking the time they're they're putting some color in there they're doing some really nice stuff and 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 they're able to do a lot of really cool things to that so you're uh, go out and take a look like dan said have a conversation with some people find out who's doing those things find them on twitter find them on instagram find them on facebook social media is a fantastic place uh to to find your your creators that you that you've always followed or that you've always enjoyed their art or their creativity and you've never thought that you could have that venue to do it or that time to do it. And this is a great time to do it. Right. Find them. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. And, and Greg, thanks for all you do too. I mean, uh, uh, you're, I, you, I, you always say that, but I mean, I take uh, great joy out of reading Greg's books and, and can't wait till the, the next one comes out next junior braves. He won't even give me the scripts. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't. Uh, 
<laughs> I'm uh, locked down by by contract yeah. to not give out the script, or I, I like I can. The closest thing I can do is when uh, the the tabletop RPG comes out in a few months is to I'll let you. Uh, we'll we'll have a playtest day, and uh, I'll let you and Paul and uh, and uh, Palmer and the kids and stuff like that. We'll all sit down and play. That good. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, yep, and and then you can tell us the whole next story. You can just recite it from memory. But uh, yeah, <laughs> what, <laughs> uh, yeah. And with that said, uh, hey everyone, thanks for thanks for hanging out with us for a bit. And uh, next week, uh, Greg, what are you thinking? Oh, I'm thinking uh, more of the same, a podcast about stuff. We're going to talk about current events, comics, politics, and uh, a wild card of some sort. Yep, and we will uh, post some teasers about some of the next comics. And like we said, if there's a comic you want us to review or something like that, uh, again, hit us up on on one of those multiple platforms that we mentioned. Yes, please. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Greg, for hanging out and chatting. Uh, I feel like we've done this for a long time. I think we have done it for a long time. It's almost as if we've done it for a few decades. <laughs> just a few. So just a, just a few. That's gonna that's gonna put a wrap on uh, episode two forty seven. But uh, so yeah. we're signing off. I'm Dan. I'm Greg. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. You want me to do the intro now? Yeah, go ahead. In a world where podcast never ends. Nope, that, that, yep, yep. God, I suck. See, I'm just an impromptu speaker. That's all there is to it. All right, we're going to pause right. for five seconds. <laughs> that was that was a great wrap-up. Thank you for checking out Funny Book Forensics with Dan and Greg on the Spoilerverse. Find us at Funny Book Forensics, Facebook, Dot com or funny book forensics on the spoilerverse. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us. Tell us what you think. Heck, if you have an idea for us to review, let us know in the comments.